Welcome to Lemmy Works, brought to you by Leadership Education Mentoring Institute. We are inspiring parents, mentors, and communities as they embark on the journey of transformational project-based education. Hi, this is Tatiana Fallon. Hi, this is Heidi Christensen. We're so excited to be your hosts. Hey everyone, we are so excited today to have Dina Wells with us. Um, how are you doing, Dina? I'm great, thanks. Awesome. Well, how Dina, you, you we're doing great. I'm you are I'm I'm so excited to talk to you because you are a um torchbearer for school, which means you help start a school. You are a Lemmy trainer for uh, you know, one of those harder, you know, uh projects, you know, quest one and two, not everybody gets up there. And, and it's such a powerful uh, project. I really want to encourage everybody to take those. So I'm really excited to talk to you about that. And um, anyway, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself, how long you've been with Lemmy and doing leadership education and that kind of thing? Uh, let's see. I am a mom of five children and we live in Utah and we started homeschooling. Oh, gee, I don't even know if I can do the math. <laughs> Never mind that I'm a homeschool mom. Um, it's been a while since my oldest is in fourth grade. So, um, and she's now 23. So, yeah, it's been a while. Uh, but Lemmy came into my life about, about when she was nine or 10. She's kind of the standard in which I. <laughs> I date everything. Um, she, let's see, it was probably 14 or 15 years ago. I went to a, a I think it's a homeschool conference that was in Cedar City. Rachel DeMille was there, Diane Jepson, uh, Tiffany Earl spoke. And as soon as Tiffany started speaking, I was sold. I was like, oh, I love this so much. And um, yeah, so ever since then, I've been a Lemmy fan so about 15 years oh that's awesome how did you decide to start this community we were we had a park day that met every week uh, with women in um just all over utah county and we would meet every week and they all had different strengths and like passions and i loved it so much and i thought i wanted to harness that amazingness that happened every week as we met in a park day and then when I heard Tiffany speak about uh, library communities and what was possible with the scholar projects I thought oh my gosh this is it this is what I want and I I wanted to be able to vision cast that for the moms in our group because they had so many beautiful oh I don't know they just they would bring things to share and the kids would gather around. It was just beautiful. It was this kind of organic learning supportive community that was being created. And uh, I just thought if we could formalize it a little bit, right. And kind of tap into and harness that creativity and passion. I just, that was my dream. I like how you bring in those two aspects because um, I've been, studying William DeMille's book because <laughs> I got it in the mail <laughs> nice. and um, I in, in the, the first chapter or I don't know the, 
I think it's the first chapter, he talks about the two different types of scientific thinking, uh, where one is where you're, I'm going to mess up this because I, I literally just read it like a couple days ago, so I haven't had time to really know it. But there's like this whole perspective where you look at something from the big picture and then there's this like smaller perspective where you're trying to just try to whittle things out and like get to the very narrow. So it's like when you have a group of people who have all these things that are really like all over the place, but enriching and wholesome and, and helpful and and really strong but you need to be able to have some kind of specific purpose and place you're going right so like even though if, if we all have our amazing strengths but we don't have a current i like agreed path of like let's put this towards this direction then it just ends up fizzling out because there's no like purpose or or um common vision i guess this word i'm looking for so it's mm -hmm. kind of cool to see like you had all the you had all the pieces of all these amazing strengths and and talents but no vision so then you couldn't create something that would produce what you really wanted so yeah. i think that's pretty cool yeah to see to i just made that connection i was like from what i was reading last night i was like oh wow it's like a real life I mean, obviously, truth is truth, but it's fun when you like see it in other applications. When you see it happen and illustrate it, because yeah, it needed like a structure, but not so structured that it cut off the creativity, right? But like, just a, a yeah, like a structure that could kind of make it go, yeah, in that vision, that direction or vision. Yeah, that's like the constant battle of like the yin and the yang, right? Is that that flowing with the structure? And that's what makes it so like powerful to have. A masculine and feminine energy because there's yeah. that chaos versus order and they they map they like help each other so like that's one of the things that i find happens in the homeschooling world a lot is you'll have the group that just likes a lot of freedom and a lot of don't tie me down and i'm just gonna go do what i would need to do and i'm gonna do whatever i feel like i need when i need it and then you have the others who's like no we're doing school from you know, nine to three every day, and we're doing X, Y, and Z every single time, right? You have these kind of two extremes that come out of it. And um, I don't necessarily think that they're both wrong. I think, though, that they don't always work for every child, you know, like, and so I think there's beauty when you can merge and find the balance between both the structure and the freedom. Yeah, that's beautiful. So um, what as building your Lemmy, throughout your Lemmy experience, what has been your one of your favorite scholar projects to teach? That's always a hard question because it's whatever I just finished teaching or whatever I'm teaching. <laughs> like we just finished Pyramid and we did um, an emphasis in human anatomy and that was amazing. Like I, I, you would be surprised how many principles are in the body that can be applied outside of the body. It's just mind blowing. And the kids um, got really conversant in finding, searching out principles and finding them and, and applying them in their lives. So I loved that experience. Um, I'm getting ready to train quest one and two. So now that's currently my favorite <laughs> because I love love, 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 um, setting statesmen. And, but then somebody was talking about quest three the other day and the wonderful experience they had. And I was like, oh yeah, that's my favorite. <laughs> so I love them all. I love how they, all the let me continue projects are designed to teach scholars and mentors how to think. I feel like in today's world that we don't think right. Like as a society as a whole, we are, um, 
big on reacting and we tune into the sensational and the outrageous and there's a lot less stopping and thinking at what are the principles what are what are we really saying what's really happening here so i love that the lemmy projects kind of step by step teach scholars to think so Sometimes it can be a bit of a curse, though, I found. <laughs> just speaking, like, having gone through the scholar projects, like, I don't know, it's just, I just might be my personality, but I was stuck in traffic. It was, like, an accident, so it was, like, really bad traffic. We weren't going very fast, and I was parked behind a bug, a BW. It was a cute, really car, a cute car, but it had all these stickers on the back of it. Like, you know, bumper stickers are usually pretty inflammatory or you know like you know i believe this and Shocking. support this you know yeah so they're all like political bumper stickers and i'm just sitting there like bored because i'm stuck in traffic and i'm looking at the different bumper stickers and I'm like oh wow oh i agree with that yeah that's a great point i'm like oh i do not agree with that point mm -mm. and then i was thinking oh, man i wish we were in a world where i could be friends with this person because I really have a lot of things I think that if these are their rubber stickers they like, I think we get along. We would really get along. These are things I'm passionate about too. Like one of them was like, there's a local conservatory next to us that has um, an emphasis on bringing back like native plants to our area and like really helping those thrive. And so like that was one of the stickers and that's something I'm super passionate about is like trying to get back to those like savanna, oak savannas that are part of Kentucky and and helping those native you know, plants do well and, and restore some of those habitats and stuff. That's something I really love, right? But then the other one is just like, you know, F Trump, you know, and I'm just like, well, I don't necessarily love him, but I don't think that's really what appropriate behavior, you know? And in my head, I'm like, how come there's not a world where we could be good friends? Like, I just like, and I love that you, you know, say it's like, we're teaching them how to think. But then I also think part of that is how to be okay with somebody who doesn't think or agree with us right we're not something yeah well i was just gonna say i loved uh, about quest three because you're having to you're you're noticing what you have in common what true what's based on truth and you're grappling with these kind of difficult ideas and separating it from the people right Necess you're not necessarily rejecting them you're you might um prefer you know you're it's where you're kind of deciding like what do I really believe and and then you're noticing like just because I believe this doesn't mean I'm totally different I feel like quest 3 kind of brings you in right it like brings you to that middle ground that doesn't seem to exist in society because the powers that be are very divisive right and um, our social media and, and our news and all the things want to stick us in one corner to, or the next and to the point where algorithms are like making us look at things we believe instead of trying to find that common ground. And I feel like Quest 3 bridges that gap in such a beautiful, beautiful way for kids to realize, oh, like this is why people might believe this. And that's true. And then it gets a little twisted here. But can we meet on that? Like, solid ground of of agreement i think it's powerful it is it is really powerful my um i uh we have a family call and um every sunday evening where um our four older boys call in and we meet on zoom and 
Uh, my our youngest son is just finishing up quest two and he was like you know yeah do i do i really need to do the personal manifesto mm. and it was so cool hearing all four of his brothers go through the reasons why the personal manifesto was so impactful for them and um our fourth son is married and uh his his wife was like you know do you still have your personal manifesto i want to see it and um, our oldest son has, you know, still has it and could pull it up on his computer. And, you know, he's redone it, uh, you know, several times because as he's grown, he's changed and, and you know, learned different things and, you know, just making all of these connections, you know, so by the end of it, you know, our, our youngest son, it's like, okay, I'm excited about this. This is going to be cool. I'm, I'm going to really write down, you know, and they explain to him, you know, you write down white where you are right now, what you believe in right now. And that gives you like a launching pad for, for growth, you know, for learning more things, learning about yourself, learning about the world. And it was just, it was really powerful. I mean, I'm just like, oh my goodness, this is so cool. <laughs> so, that was a mom payday moment, right? Oh <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Big payday moment. I love that. That's so cool. That's yeah. awesome. I love that they were like promoting the class for you. You didn't even have to say anything. I didn't. It was awesome. So I have a question. I don't know if, if how, how to ask this question because it's kind of a deep connected question, but how is it that our, how is it that, I feel like if we look at society, we say you are what you believe or you are, your identity is wrapped into your opinions right like if if i were to say i'm pro x y and z then no longer am i tatiana i'm x y and z right like i my identity transfers into my opinion and what i believe right whereas i feel like with leadership education we we separate your identity from your beliefs or am i wrong there and like how does quest help you establish a strong identity of self and a strong identity of beliefs and not necessarily like it. Cause I guess what I'm trying to say is like, I can have conversations with my friends who have gone through the Lemmy projects and we can have vehement de debates and disagreements, but neither of us will walk away feeling hurt or attacked personally. So how is it that, and it's true, like, and I can do that same thing with, all the people who aren't let me train too usually they walk away hurt or offended but i don't right so what is how does that happen does that my question make any sense yeah i think well what you bring up too because like you can learn it academically you can learn different people's worldviews academically right or just like book learning but i feel like in quest three especially well it's this really beautiful journey actually but in quest three you you grapple with these ideas with your with your fellow student your fellow scholars right and so you're discussing you're you're trying you're digging deeper and drilling and and questioning and you're having to have these hard conversations it's like a skill is being developed where it's not about being right it's about finding right and so there's that skill I think that happens or that is developed there, right? Um, I think it's born and it's 
born in itty bitty in quest one and two, where you're studying all these statesmen and you're learning um, how they had influence and why and what they did wrong, even like they're these, you know, these leaders that we revere, but they weren't perfect. And so you're studying both sides of their lives, the good and the ugly, right? And you're discussing, you're mostly focusing on the good, but uh, you're writing about it. You're So you're kind of realizing like, oh, these people all had a mission and look what they did with it. And they weren't perfect, but they moved forward and they did what they were, you know, they, they had a call and they answered it. And they made an impact on the world. And then all of a sudden they look at themselves and like, oh, I'm just like them. Like, I'm just like Malala. Malala wasn't like so um, articulate and like uh, she wasn't so mature and, you know, they're just like her. And so I think then they realize, oh, like this all happens line upon line and step upon step. And you're, and I think, anyway, I feel like that's kind of born in quest one and two of like, oh my goodness, look at all these people living their mission. What, what What's my mission? And, you know, and then you move into quest three where you're like pretty solid and communicating and influencing and reading, you go through that bottleneck experience of what quest one and two is. And then quest three comes and you realize, oh, there's this huge, big world out there. And <laughs> um, how do I fit into it? And you have to do the hard work, right? Of like, learning about worldviews but then you like it's like you downshift or something into personal government and self-government and then defending your beliefs in like a supreme court simulation it's just this beautiful amazing architecture like it, it was like designed for them to go through these like bottleneck experiences where they come out the other end just they blossom I mean, if, if they submit, right. And they stay with the process, I feel like they blossom into these beautiful scholars and I know. And anyway, it's just, and mentors, I feel like go through the same, a similar, a similar process. I don't know if that answers your question at the beginning. I'm like super focused. And then I start to... <laughs> no, I think like while you were talking, I, I did like have some connections where it's like, I think a couple of elements really stuck out to me is like, it's a peer discussion right? Like, I think we've been trained for so long to like, assume that learning happens from an expert to a novice, right? But I think real life skills happen from interpersonal relationships. And when we allow our scholars to be doing this with other scholars, their same age, similar connections, similar ahas, you know, different backgrounds, obviously, but like on the same time in their path of life, I think there's a lot of power that generates from that because um, I was listening to this podcast where this guy talked about how he was bullied a ton. And he said the biggest reason he was bullied was because he was an only child. And because he was an only child, he never learned how to fight. And so because you, you don't... <laughs> You don't have a sibling. You don't necessarily have to learn those interpersonal skills because you don't have a sibling. <laughs> so like, it was, you know, interesting to, you know, there is a huge dynamic in getting them all together with kids their own age and then giving them the responsibility to have these conversations with each other. Um, I think that is a unique element to, to what, you know, 
Lemmy offers. And then also, as you also were talking, is like, we're not just like throwing them in there to just fight with each other. <laughs> you know, it's like, we're, just, we're, we're giving them examples of people and not just like rose colors examples of people, but like, you know, the faults and strengths of these great men and women, you know. So I think there's a, a lot of power when we can be in those two combinations of things. And then also, I bet the writing has a lot to do with it as well. Can you talk Absolutely. a little bit about like what they do as far as writing goes for Quest? Writing is probably the most rewarding transformation that you see. At, at least for me, it has been where you get these kind of um, half thought out. <laughs> I mean, by the time they get to Quest, they you know they can write a page, but it's, sometimes you're like, oh, like you know, you're trying to follow along. Or I don't know if it's at least in Pyramid this year, I got papers that had looked like there was a literal bite out of the paper <laughs> I was like does the dog really eat your homework <laughs> because and then they're formatting some of them would just handwrite and you know and so we did the easy low-hanging fruit of just learning formatting at first this year with pyramid and just to see from the day one of like you know all caps scrunched into this little paragraph and with the dog bite out of it and, and to like a nicely formatted paper where they were actually were actually wanted to read it because it looked inviting right and um so to kind of see that that progress it's so funny you say that though because this year I was teaching in a new community and I keep telling all my parents like it's okay they are not turning in big papers and everyone's like, no, no, no. Like they, these are like not good papers. I'm like, oh, yeah, I know, I know. Trust the process, trust the process. I'm getting them. This is year one. We're just learning how to think on paper. That's all we're trying to do. That's all we're trying to do. Like, no, oh, they need to do this and they need to do that. And I'm like, yes, but until they have something to say, what's the point of making it sound good? If you have nothing to say, there's no point in making it sound good. Yeah. yeah so. That's yeah, and in quest one, I'm getting these papers where they're thinking, you can tell they're thinking, but obviously not organized, not logical, you know, like, and, but there's, you see the buds of it, right? And, and then they get writing coaches, which is huge if, um, you know, you vision cast that as a mentor properly, and they, they see the beauty of having a partner like that to help them kind of work on what they need to work on. You know, I think there's a lot of elements of writing, like formatting, I picked just because, um, that was easy, low hanging fruit for our pyramid class, but you know, there's flow, there's, you know, all the different elements in the live, in the Lemmy writing cycle and kids will be at different places in that cycle. And so as a mentor, it's really hard to, um, help them move on because everybody's in different places. So the writing coach comes in and they can meet them where they're at in such a beautiful way. And take them, you know, maybe they are writing a beautiful introductory paragraph, but their thesis statement is falling apart or whatever. It doesn't have, it's not solid. Um, then they could maybe work with, you know, what is it that you really want to say and, and kind of bring them where they're at and help them, you know, polish one aspect of the writing cycle. And so I've seen like one year I taught um, Quest 1 and 2, I had 15 students, which was a lot for Quest 1 and 2. But we really hammered the, with the parents and, um, or not hammered, but, you know, really stressed a lot and tried to vision cast really clearly how crucial having a writing coach is because we just couldn't get to uh, all those kids in the different 
um, strengths. They all had strengths and then they all had places they were weak. And so um, just to watch the majority of the kids, the kids that continued, I think there were only a few, one had to move and one, anyway, there were a couple that just didn't do the work, but almost everybody, probably 13 or 12 or 13 of the 15 were regular at turning in their papers and just to see like from day one to the end of the semester and what they could, what they created and how they came, you know, and then because the writing coaches were doing all the hard work of like helping them move on from where they were, then we could just be like, so I, I make it a point to read every single word. If they're going to take the time to write it, I'm going to take the time to read it. And I would write like, oh my gosh, I love this idea. I can't wait for you to flush this out. And what else you want to say here? And you know what I mean? And just encourage them more. Like I wanted more, like I love to hear what they have to say and think and what they think about things. And so to see that just between the writing coach and the mentor and see that kind of transformation happen. That's probably the biggest, the area of biggest growth that I think they, they experience in quest one. And then it's, I always call quest one and two, the um, cornerstone projects. You know, you think of a cornerstone or, or the arching, right. That um, it's put there so that it can, it's strong, right. So it's going to be able to support the weight of heavier things. And that's what quest three is to me is the heavier things, right? But if they have those skills of reading and writing and thinking, um, reasoning and logic and ethos and pathos and logos, then then when you put those that heavier project on there and they have to delve into those worldviews, then they're prepared. They're prepared to think through those things, reason through those things and write about them. Um, yeah, so I feel like that writing is probably one of the biggest for I mean they they transform in a lot of ways but that's one of the biggest I feel like we're interrupting this broadcast to invite you to ask questions or share your epiphanies in the comment section and if you're enjoying this podcast please consider leaving us a good review on the platform you are using because that really helps others find our content also check out our website at lemmymentortraining.com I also think that, you know, if the parents really take that vision and, and go run with it of getting like a writing mentor, that's not their parent and that's not you. It can be life changing for the student. Because I know when when I took the class, uh, I think I was like year one or year, yeah, it was still TGYC, but that was like still one of the you know, things that we had to do is get an outside writing mentor. And so my mom approached my, my aunt, my dad's sister-in-law and it it was like it brings like tears to my eyes just sorry just thinking about it now because she spent like I mean, this was the day before skype or zoom or anything right so we had to call her on the phone and she would spend three or four hours on the phone and i'd email her my paper and three or four hours every week with my aunt on the phone right like she had she was an english major so that's why my mom picked her she was harsh she was hard you know she wasn't gonna let anything fly by like that wasn't up to to snuff you know like maybe my mom would have but um it was really transformational for me like um not only writing but also just in having someone in my life intimately involved with what i was learning and caring about me that was very formative for myself you know at that that age where you're like 14 15 and trying to figure out like 
who you are and be safe with who you are. And so I think like that writing mentor, if done right, can really be in, in that child's life, a huge impact of helping them establish a firm sense of self and, and grain those skills, you know, and push themselves a lot harder. So I like that you bring that up because it is something that can sometimes be a formality and don't this people don't, Oh, I got to get a writing mentor, but they don't really understand. Like, no, you need an mm. extra mentor in your child's life you know yeah, so be prayerful and have courage and, you know have courage to ask those people that you might not know if they want to to do that or not but you know definitely would benefit from it i love how you said that she blessed like it it enriched your relationships too i think that's so like sometimes i think we yeah you get into the utility of it right and you don't think like oh no actually it enriched a relationship between an aunt and a niece and that's beautiful I've seen it, you know, just the involvement that um, people have had in their communities just enrich the community at large. I mean, like um, I live in California where there's charter schools and there are several charter school teachers who, you know, have kids in our programs, our communities, and they, they come to the Shakespeare fair. They, you know, they start reading these amazing, you know, um, papers that these kids are writing and and they just get hooked and they're so excited and and um there's this one teacher in particular I mean she she still talks to me every once in a while about you know our community that um uh I helped I was part of the um the I helped write the the constitution and helped start things off and and uh it's just it's Really, I mean, these communities are the projects for the the parents and the parents and the people outside, you know, who are working with the families. It it just benefits everyone in so many different ways. So I just love that. Now I know that you also have helped start um, the school leadership training that is for the adults. Can you tell us a little bit about that as well? Yes, um, this is one of my passions because uh, I think when I think back to when, you know, I just heard Tiffany Earl speak and I was at that park day and, you know, wanting to kind of organize these women. Um, I also, <laughs> I think that I, you know, I was, I got a bachelor's degree from a major university. Like I thought I was educated or whatever but the as I as I um continued on my homeschool journey I thought oh um I don't feel very educated as I would you know read and or listen to things and I think oh I don't I don't know about that or um so the school leadership training or just putting this community together was like I didn't have the skills you know I didn't have the skills to, to tell those women what I want. I, I remember my husband coming to a Lemmy training. Cause I was like, this is what I want to do. I think it'd be so awesome. It would be amazing. Just, and then he'd be like, now what? And I'd say, just come with me, just come with me to Lemmy training. And what Lemmy training does very, very well is does a lot of the heavy lifting for you. If you have people that don't know what you're trying to create, or they don't understand the process, like just bring them to Lemmy training. It does a lot of the heavy lifting for you. Um, Lemmy training is really good at vision casting and 
after let me training, my husband was like, oh, this is what you want to do. <laughs> Even though I wanted to, to hit him because I had like explained it in every which way, but I just didn't have that skill, you know, of vision casting. So I didn't have the skill of gathering a community. I didn't have the skill of, you know, in, in a school leadership training, you learn a lot about, we, we didn't have that, right? We had some kind of um, precursors to, to that, uh, that helped a, quite a bit, but um, you don't realize that when you make a decision, there's intended consequences and then there's unintended consequences. And you learn that really well when you start organizing a school because you have these ideas in mind and you're like, this is what I want to do. I remember when we wrote our bylaws because I was thinking, well, that's what we got to do. We got to write our bylaws. And of course, we're like, well, we don't want that to happen. So let's put that in there. And we don't want this to happen. So let's put, you know, let's nip that in the butt. And pretty soon, like 19 pages later, we're like, we had this Frankenstein <laughs> document that we were a master to instead of it serving us. And so just all of those kinds of, luckily, now we have a school leadership training that teaches you these principles that help you think through things um, on a principle basis. So you're not, you're thinking in principles, not, not applications, right? Um, you can definitely uh, create applications to those principles, but at least you got to know why something is there. You got to know why it exists um, in order to um, like, sorry, let me think. You, you have to understand the reason why something's there, or it can, like I said, with the uh, Frankenstein document, um, we had to we had to get rid of that and start over because it was just, I mean, it tied our hands in so many different ways. And when we wrote it, we had all the great intentions, right? Of, But we just didn't understand um, unintended consequences. So school leadership training, um, it's a three-day training that happens in the summer and you can invite your entire school to come or your leaders and um, you learn about those principles. What, we, what we've really, from coaching different schools and talking with different leaders, you understand that um, every member is a leader. You don't have to hold a leadership position. You have influence. It doesn't matter uh, who you are in your school, you have influence. And so because that is true, it's important that everybody understands what kind of influence they have and um, just what things are at play in a community. I think sometimes we get this, some schools get a, uh, maybe people that aren't serving on the board they don't understand what's happening under the hood of a board. And so sometimes you get this us versus them mentality and, and just bringing everyone to a school leadership training, you get this, oh, we're all in this together. Like we have this common vision, this common goal. And what's beautiful about the training is because it's based principle-based, you can apply these things in your community, but also in your family and in your own personal life because you're a leader in all those areas, right? And so- um, I think that's something really special about school leadership training. It's not just school leadership, but it's it's personal leadership and family. And so, if you could say, go back to yourself starting the school, what would be the one thing you wish you would have known? If like, if you could, just, I know that's a hard question to ask because I'm sure there were a million. But like, as you were, cause that's where I'm at right now. So I'm being selfish. <laughs> we're, we just did year one and we just did our play and it was really, really successful. But um, I feel like I'm like on a 
train with no brakes going down a hill. So that's what it feels like. And like at some point, there's going to be a curve in this track and we're going to go straight off. That's such a great question because I probably wouldn't tell myself anything. I'd probably just be like, it's going to be just fine, honey. Just keep going. <laughs> um, but uh, I think what's important, what I've realized over the years is that it's not that everything will turn out perfect because it really never will, right? That it's perfect isn't the goal. The goal is growth on the journey. And I feel like even when things turn out and you're like, wow, what just happened? <laughs> or that was a train wreck or whatever, that that is also a learning experience. Even when my children didn't have like the best mentor or whatever, we had parent mentor meetings and we talked about it. Like, what is it? What's going on there? And how do you think you can help her? And do you see she's also on a journey? And you know what I mean? There's, there's always, it doesn't matter if it turns out great or if it turns out horrible or anywhere in between debriefing it with your kids is that's where the real education comes out, right? It's when you're discussing it and, and pulling out all the nuggets that you learn from that thing. Right. And, um, and, and as you watch over the years, I mean, we've had 13 years now where we've been in operation and I've had different boards and, you know, at first that was the goal, right. To like, to write the exact perfect bylaws and to do all the right things. And then you realize, oh, um, it's never going to be perfect. We're always going to be debriefing because it's a journey, right? And then also like what it is, is an opportunity for other people to grow. Like the this thing, the, the growth that I've seen in women uh, almost outweigh the growth I've seen in scholars, right? Like the, you have this quiet, reserved, but super, wisdom-filled woman who decides to go and start her, her own community and you see her just blossom and she's just working in her strengths and you just thought I never thought she would lead a whole community of people but she's established this beautiful strong school you know those kind of transformations that's what it's all about I guess so when you feel like it's going out of control then you just remember that it's not about the destination it's about hanging on for dear life no <laughs> as you, you having know, appropriate seat belts as you crash yeah, so you exactly. walk away from <laughs> you walk away from the crash but you still have bruises you're still in one piece then you know but i think, I, I think yeah yeah that was a revelation to me that excellence excellence wasn't the goal i guess i i mean you really would always want an excellent mentor for your kid but you're actually in this really big simulation, right? You're in this life-size simulation of like, how do we expect our country to govern itself if we can't govern ourselves on a local level? And so that's really what you're, you're doing. And I think in school leadership training, you kind of see that bigger picture for sure. And then you're also equipped with skills and um, abilities and knowledge right? Uh, that help you put those things into practice in the best way. And then you can do it again and you do it in your home and you do it and, you know, do it for yourself. And yeah, it's, it's, it's actually a, an amazing, beautiful journey. So I have another question. What, okay. So let's say I'm a homeschool mom and I've established the fact that my children need something outside of my home. Okay. Why would I want to 
go create a scholar community versus just a co-op? Like, could you tell me why I'd want one versus the other, or is it just, you know, whatever's right for you? I mean, well, I mean, I, I guess if I was talking to a homeschool mom, that one of those things, I'd probably be asking a lot of questions, right? Like try to determine what it is really that she wants and what does she envision for her children? Um, if I were promoting a, a, a library community versus a co-op, then I would, um, well, yeah, I still would find out <laughs> what they wanted because honestly it is, um, that's one of the principles we talk about in school leadership training is gates, right? That, that um, a school leadership or a, a library school community has a structure around it, has boundaries and you have to decide, right? Do you want to enter in that gate? Or those are, there are some things that, uh, that you need to do. Like there's actually, it's a pretty rigorous um, journey. And so you have to decide if that's what you want, right? And so um, there are certain gates that kind of, that you go through and decide like, oh yeah, this is what I want. Like, am I willing to read a Thomas Jefferson education so I can find out the philosophy of, you know, this leadership community? Okay, yeah, I am. All right, so then I do that, you know? And so you kind of qualify yourself for those things. And I think a library school, it's more formalized than I think a co-op, right? Um, you are sovereign in this community. So like when you meet together to discuss the business of the school, then you have a voice and you can, um, you know, you can discuss decisions and, you know, the vision and how we want to carry that out. Um, it's also a very holistic approach to education. It's not just about getting what your kids need. It's about, um, you know, that's one thing I love about leadership education. That philosophy is that you, it's a, you, they say you, not them, right. But it's really you and them. And, but what happens when it's a, you <laughs> is that you kind of light a fire. You, you, you have the power to light a fire for your kids and if it's just about them, that's a whole different mindset, right? And so if if it's just about them, maybe this isn't the right community for you. But if you can see what happens when it's you and them, then you go, oh, okay, maybe I do want that for my family. Say, for example, when Rise Up had its 10-year anniversary, we had a big fancy gala. We rented this beautiful, I had a friend that had a beautiful event center that gave us a great price and we all dressed up and we had fancy dinner and it was just absolutely breathtaking. It was awesome. And it brought all older families that had been at Rise Up together. And you could just see kind of the bigger impact that a organized library community had. And um, one thing my kids said to me, because while I was the torchbearer and kind of establishing all this stuff and fumbling through, <laughs> figuring out how to had it, you know, I was on that train without the brakes. Um, I was like reading, you know, we're like crashing <laughs> and I'm like reading to my kids and, oh, maybe we didn't get math done today, but you know what I mean? And my homeschool maybe didn't look like a stellar homeschool. I didn't get to all the subjects or I didn't like, you know, inspire, do all the amazing, inspiring things maybe I would have done. But one thing my kids said to me after that gala was like, mom, you know, we definitely like have gaps in our education. Like, I mean, they said this in so many words, like, but they know how to fill them. You know, it's like, they don't, they don't feel powerless. Right. 
But because we went through that journey together, they said, the one thing that we do know is if we have a dream and we have an idea of what we want to accomplish, that we can do it because we saw our mom have a vision for what she wanted for a community and then just go out and do it. And so that was the education. It was like, so it was so powerful to me to see what they picked up and what they learned when I was thinking it was quest, you know, <laughs> and they were like, no, actually we saw our mom, you know, do what she set out to do. And to me, that was priceless. I think like coming from my perspective, having grown up watching my mom do something similar to you in creating, you know, library school she created. Um, I remember, I think I was like 15, 14 or 15. And my mom comes in from the gym. She would go to the gym and she'd work out while she read. Which I don't know how she did that, but whatever. Either here nor there, but um, she came in from the gym one morning and she she's like, Tatiana, will you just sit down with me for like 15 minutes? I'm so stuck on this book and I can't figure it out at all. And it's I, I have to have this, like my mentor, who I think the time was Tiffany, had assigned this book to her. And she's like, my mentor wants me to have this paper done and I can't, I don't get it. I don't understand what I'm reading. Um, and so it was, it was Harold Bloom's Closing of the American Mind. <laughs> so she like, light reading. Yeah, light reading. Not at all. She like reads me this one paragraph and I was like, what? The bleep? <laughs> I don't know. Like, she's like, no, I know you're smarter than I am. I know you can do this. So just, just listen. Okay. Just listen. <laughs> okay. And like, it was, I, I have a very distinct memory of that event, even though it was so commonplace, like sitting around our teeny little kitchen table and um like you know early in the morning talking about Harold Bloom but I have this distinct memory because I was watching my mom go through absurd pain <laughs> because like, who cares about what Harold Bloom wrote I, I don't know if any of our listeners have tried to read anything by that man or anything or closing in the American mind it is so hard it is so hard and I'm watching her struggle and being like she has six kids a household to run, a million things that she has on her plate. And yet she's putting a lot of emotional and intellectual energy into understanding something here. And it like, a light switch just clicked. I'm like, this is so valuable. This is one of the most valuable things I should be pursuing. And it was like, I remember from that day on, it was just like my studies became way more important than other things in my life because my mom, just through that act had shown me that like this this is really valuable you need to fight for this you know and she's like when i was rich you know she wasn't reading at all she like so now she's having to get this education really painful way when she has six kids and a million responsibilities right and so i i think parents don't understand that by it being you and them that's when the difference between like just coasting and thriving happens right? Your children thrived under your, your, um, under your decision to be you and them, right? And I, I like that you said that even though you, <laughs> they were learning, even though you felt like your homeschool was falling apart on the side, because this last month I was directing the Shakespeare play, and I, I like, it, it killed me. It was so hard. Like, the last time I had directed a Shakespeare play, I was in college. So, <laughs> like, I had school, but I didn't have four kids and a household and a husband and like life, right? Right. And the whole month I was sitting there just being like, 
why am I doing this? I don't even have kids old enough to be in this class. Like it, the whole month I was on, the, I was, I almost quit. Cause I was like, I can't do this. This is so hard. I'm failing my, my actual kids. My homeschooling is falling apart. This is so not worth it. And then my friend took a picture during the performance. Cause I was of course doing the performance, like running around like crazy, trying to like make sure everything was set and all this stuff, you know? And she took a picture of my three-year-old son sitting on the bench, watching and laughing at hmm. Shakespeare. And I was like, is that really a failure if my three-year-old can sit through 40 minutes of Shakespeare? Is that really failing at homeschooling? You know, like, he, he didn't watch the whole thing. <laughs> that is a huge win. That, I mean, when he gets to Shakespeare, he's going to just nail it. I mean, he he's going to be growing up with Shakespeare in his life. I and mean, that's like my youngest one. He was, he started being in plays. We put him in whichever play we need, needed, you know, one spare body in, you know, with three or four lines. And yeah, it was just, I, I just think, oh, that is so awesome. That is such a win. Yay, Tati. <laughs> it just doesn't feel like one though, according to the world. So I just love what Dina said, you know, like it feels like, things are falling, but they're, they're not, they're thriving. You know, it's, I don't know why it's such a hard concept for people to grasp you, not them, or you and them. Well, and I think it has the element of the yin and yang you were talking about before. It's like chaos and order. You have one foot in both. So <laughs> you're just kind of like straddling that, right? I think there's a great quote from Jordan Peterson about that, that I don't have on me, but um, of that, that's where true growth happens when you have one foot in chaos and one foot in order. If you're just all in order, then there's no growth, right? Or if you're all in chaos, like you said, we talked about that earlier, right? There's, there's not, there's not the you can't harness that genius. Um, but when you have one foot in each, that I think that's where true growth happens. And that's also if you go back to the LIBOR cycle. I mean, that chaos is that those tests, trials, and traps. And yes, those look chaotic and like, okay, oh my goodness, I am going to go off the track. I am going to fail my kids, and my three year old is never going to learn how to read. I mean, whatever it is, whatever those crazy thoughts that we get, especially as homeschool moms who have taken on this huge responsibility of educating our kids. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it's just that part. And if we can get through that part, then we go on to that, you know, real growth and go on to the next, you know, thing, you know, but we just, we have to learn and show our kids that you can get through those, that hard time to find that true growth. Yeah. I just had an epiphany when you were talking about that, Heidi, about, you know, it, the, the trial, and and like it's a and then also it's part of a season right so perhaps in our modern world we want to compartmentalize education into nine to five right or i guess eight to three or whatever it it ends up being but or like you know semesters right but in reality it's not that way like if you're really homeschooling and you're homeschooling and leadership education way, you know, what if the family's going through a trial right now? You know, what if the family is, is, is going through some traps and tests right now? Like, how does that look in your everyday trying to, to do things right? Like, and it's just a, 
there is a need for that order, but there's also a need for that chaos, you know, and, and under and having the grace for yourself to be no, it's okay, I think, is probably my biggest struggle. <laughs> That's a really good point. Well, and we have, I think, you know, we have Pinterest, where you take that beautiful photo of the perfect homeschool room, you know, and that's just kind of like the proverbial, uh, like, like, we're supposed to have it all put together. And just, it's, it's funny, I've been what I want to refinish them um, dressers for my boys. And I've been watching these videos where they sand it down and you know they refinish it in a matter of like two minutes and I'm like yeah that looks easy <laughs> that should be fine that'll be great and then I'm like oh it said she worked on it for 12 hours <laughs> you know and so um you know there's that like we get this picture perfect Pinterest you know thing and then you realize oh like to make that happen I wish they would do like a quick little leading up to that photo <laughs> what did it look like because that's where the real living happens right yeah they always do that like 30 second transformation thing and like look i lost 20 pounds in six months and you're like whoa that's amazing and then it's like wait you didn't show me like week two when you didn't lose anything and you wanted to quit like <laughs> you know like we don't exactly. see the details of the struggle which i think you know I, it wouldn't be entertaining. It wouldn't be in awe of it. But at the same time, like, it's just not reality. It's not truth. You know, <laughs> it's fascinating. Well, it's been awesome talking to you, Dina. And it's been super awesome for our audience to hear about um, Quest. Really trying to push Quest with the podcast. I feel like sometimes like that's what we talk about almost, I think almost every podcast. <laughs> um, I think as we're coming to more and more understanding of the community that Lemmy has built over the last 20 years, we're finding that quest is really the crowning jewel where things happen, like really where the, that's where you want to end up, like and get to that point, you know? And so it's awesome to hear your insight and hopefully we'll have more people join those trainings. And then also that we're so excited with what's happening with school leadership training. It's so needed um, as we need more and more communities to grow we need help. <laughs> so I'm so grateful for you and the wonderful women working with you on that. My pleasure. I love that idea. I remember Tiffany vision casting at, you know, when I first started of kind of like pinpricks of light, she talked about um, seeing a map of the United States and how kind of darkness was, you know, shadowing the land with all that was going on and how the little local pods of Commonwealth schools or like little pinpricks of light and that we could light the nation. And I just love that vision. And I see the possibility of that. And I feel like school leadership training is a great vehicle to make that happen. So I love it. Yeah. Amen to that. I was having actually a discussion with my sister this the other day and she was talking to me. She's like, she's actually coming to training and she's super excited. And she was, she was a little bit perturbed because I mean, things have happened and let me that happen with any relationships with people. And she's like, why are you so dedicated to this? And I said to her, why do you think you are who you are today? She's like, I don't know, I had awesome parents. And I'm like, yeah, I know, we had great parents. But why else do you think you are who you are today? She's like, I had great friends. I'm like, you did have great friends. And how did you get those friends? I'm like, well, they were all in Shakespeare together. We were all in Hebrew together. We were all in Quest together. I'm like, yeah, let me change your life. And she's like, yeah, looking back, it was probably the, the best thing that I ever had. I'm like, yeah, it was. And there are thousands of you out there who also need the best thing that they could have. It's not for everyone, but for those who need it, 
you know, that's why we fight to give it to them, right? Because it's, it's so, it's been so fun getting on here and hearing all of the Quest graduates tell us their stories, just being like, wow, like it changed your life too? Like, <laughs> that's so cool. That's it changed my life. <laughs> yeah, it's for who it's for. And then you see what it does for those people. And you're like, whoa, you know, I look at my daughter, she's written a book. Like she has a little writing business on the side that she helps business owners with their blogs and social media. My son is at BYU studying business, but he is apprenticed with the best um, piano tuner in the state. And he has this trade that he can do, you know, in addition to that. And, you know, my daughter's in Brazil on a mission and she's an artist and she just is creating this beautiful art to share with people, to share her beliefs. And I just think, wow, this is so cool. You know, just the different ways everyone is kind of living out their mission and it's, it's just beautiful. And to watch it, you know, it all started at Lemmy, I feel like for sure. Well, thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank yeah, you. Thank you. Thank you so much. This was so much fun. Thanks for listening to this episode. Just as in every Lemmy training, we hope you walk away uplifted and inspired, but also empowered to be a better mentor for your family and your community. Please be sure to subscribe and share. We also want to express our gratitude to all the Lemmy mentors, past and present. You got this. You can do hard things. <laughs>